0: Hello, friends, and welcome to Into the Word, a radio and online program committed to reading, loving, and living the whole counsel of God. I'm your host and Bible guide, Pastor Paul Carter. Your Word is a lamp unto my feet. Hope you have your Bible open in front of you today to Galatians chapter 1. Generally speaking, my intention for every episode of Into the Word is to read and explain one full chapter of the bible in 15 to 20 minutes or less on days like today when we're starting something new we'll give ourselves a few extra minutes to cover some basic introduction and orientation generally speaking whenever you're dealing with a book of the bible particularly one of the letters of the apostle paul the first thing you want to know is the identity of the original recipients thankfully paul usually covers that information in the first couple of verses of the letter so it is here He says, in the opening words of this epistle, Paul, an apostle not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Galatia in the days of Paul was a Roman province in modern-day Turkey. In all likelihood, Paul is addressing the churches that he, along with Barnabas, had founded on his first missionary journey this letter therefore was likely addressed to brand new believers living in antioch of pisidia iconium lystra and derby if you were following along with our series in the book of acts then you will remember the story of this mission trip as told in acts chapters 13 and 14 apparently sometime after being planted by paul and barnabas these churches were visited by some other folks who began teaching another version of the gospel. In this version, which Paul, of course, contends is a false, dangerous, and heretical version, a person would have to become a Jew, essentially, before becoming a Christian. Paul saw this distortion for what it was, a dangerous departure from the gospel of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone. So he wrote this letter to push back firmly upon his detractors and their gospel of salvation by faith plus observance of the Mosaic law. Reading this letter, therefore, puts us inside the first great theological controversy of the Christian church. In fact, if our chronology is correct, then it was this letter and the events that are narrated in it that immediately precipitated the Jerusalem council recorded in Acts 15. It seems most likely that Paul wrote this letter from Antioch during the time period described in Acts 14.28 through Acts 15.2. Paul and Barnabas were home in Antioch recovering from their mission trip, and the text says they were spending no little time with the disciples. So they were there for a little while, and during that time, they became aware that there was a group of people going around claiming some sort of warrant from the apostles in Jerusalem for their distorted version of the gospel. Obviously, they visited the churches in Galatia, and just as obviously, they visited the church in Antioch. Luke says in Acts 15one 2 some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. The fact that Paul's letter to the Galatians doesn't mention the outcome of that council, which ended up being in full harmony with the content of Galatians and the gospel that Paul was preaching, suggests to many scholars that this letter was written shortly before, maybe days, weeks or at most months before the events narrated in the rest of Acts 15. Therefore, many scholars suggest a date of A.D. 48 for this epistle, making it quite possibly the earliest document in the New Testament. Thanks be to God for theological controversy. If there hadn't been people preaching it wrong, we might not have one of the clearest and most precious presentations of the gospel ever written. Sometimes, clear, faithful, orthodox doctrine emerges only in response to defective, distorted, and unfaithful doctrine. So it was here. Paul's sabbatical was cut short. His work in Galatia was being threatened, and so he responded with a forceful, powerful, authoritative defense of the apostolic gospel. In terms of structure, most scholars divide the letter into three major sections. In the first two chapters, Paul is defending his authority as an apostle. In the next two chapters, he is clarifying and expounding the doctrine of justification by faith alone. And then in the final two chapters, he is working through the ethical and lifestyle implications of believing in that gospel. With all that being said, hear now the word of the Lord beginning at verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. As you may have heard before, the Apostle Paul made use of standard epistolary form when writing his letters. Most letters from that time and culture began with some version of from me to you, and this was usually followed by a greeting and then a blessing and some sort of statement of thanksgiving. Paul adopted this form and then generally adapted it by adding short sayings or phrases that served to signal his pastoral intentions for the letter. So here in this short introduction, we hear Paul citing his apostolic credentials, which he did not always do, and rehearsing some of the facts of the apostolic gospel, which again, he did not always do. We also note that there is no thanksgiving mentioned here. And that is very unusual. It's unique. D.A. Carson says here, there are times when a rebuke will not wait. (laughs) That is true. And it alerts us to the urgent nature of this letter. Paul doesn't have time for pleasantries. Souls hang in the balance. This isn't about doctrinal niceties or theological vagaries. This is about the life-saving gospel of Jesus Christ. This is urgent business. And so Paul gets right down to it. Verse 6, I am astonished Cursed! Those are astonishing words. You can hear the urgency there. Paul has just planted this church. They're just getting started, and so quickly they're being bumped off track, as it were. So he's he's dealing in, in great urgency. These are some of the most astonishing words in all the Bible. The, the word Paul uses here that the ESV translates as accursed is the Greek word anathema. That's a very strong word. Martin Luther says here. Therefore, he plainly excommunicates and curses all teachers in general that preach not the pure gospel, which he, by revelation, had preached. So this is serious business. And therefore, we need to make sure we understand exactly what is going on here. First of all, we need to understand what they were saying. Because you, you can't just apply this principle or this tone to every person you disagree with. This doesn't apply to your Arminian friend or your Calvinist friend, depending on where you start on that one, or your infant baptism friend, or your believer's baptism friend, or your contemporary music friend, or whatever else. We're dealing in official heresy here. This is very serious stuff. These folks represent an actual historical heresy. These are the folks that we refer to now as the Judaizers. Uh, we'll get into their teaching in depth as we go through the letter, but basically, they were saying that Gentiles had to become Jews before they could become Christians. They were teaching that a person was saved by believing in Jesus and getting circumcised and following the Mosaic law. That's heresy, that's not the gospel. And that's serious business because Paul says that if you believe that, then you're trusting in yourself. You're saying that Jesus died for nothing. And and you're basically going back into the Old Testament. You are not just distorting the gospel. You are erasing the gospel. And that's a big problem. That's an actual heresy. And therefore, Paul treats these people severely. He speaks to them rather like Jesus sometimes spoke to the Pharisees. This is works righteousness of the worst sort. And Paul is determined to root it out from the church. Now, to get there, he has to defend his authority as an apostle. These false teachers had said that they had warrant from the apostles in Jerusalem and that Paul was a a sort of second-class apostle. He, He had secondary authority, derivative authority, not on the same level as Peter and John and the others. So Paul has to go on the offensive. And by the way, there's something that we can learn from that. You can't defend justification by faith alone if you don't first establish the authority of the Apostle Paul. The Reformers knew that very well. They knew that if you lost sola scriptura, then you would soon lose sola gratia and sola fide. You have to defend the Scriptures in order to defend the gospel. So that's what Paul does. He says, I am an apostle by revelation. My teaching is therefore the authorized teaching of Jesus Christ. Back in John 16, Jesus said that he would complete his revelation via the Holy Spirit through his authorized apostles. Paul says, I'm a part of that. I am an authorized scripture writing, Bible breathing apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, if you lose that, my friends then you better understand that you're going to lose a great deal more after that in very short order. Verse 10. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God, Paul asks? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's Gospel, For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you've heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father's. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Here Paul is referring to the revelation he had on the road to Damascus, as well as the three years he spent in Arabia immediately following that. you can read about that in Acts 9, verses 1 to 23. By the way, this is one of the reasons that people so love and cherish this particular letter. It contains by far the most biographical information about the Apostle Paul that you're going to find outside of the book of Acts. In, In fact, I recommend reading Galatians with one Bible while you have another Bible open in front of you to the book of Acts. That way you can see how this all fits together. What Paul just said fits inside what Luke said in Acts 9, 19 to 25. If you have your second Bible open to Acts 9, then you can stick your finger right on top of verse 23, where it says that after many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. Now, these sorts of very vague time connectors are characteristic of ancient literature. Many scholars piece this all together and suggest that Paul left the city Damascus shortly after his conversion and spent three years in Petrosian Arabia on a sort of spiritual retreat during which time he was visited by the risen Lord. (laughs) Stop and hear that. Paul was every bit as much of an apostle as Peter or John or Thomas. What what made them an apostle was that they had spent three years with the Lord and and they had a special gift and empowerment by the Holy Spirit. Paul qualifies on both counts. Paul spent time with the risen Jesus in the flesh. Hear that. He's not saying that he had a dream. He he is saying this gospel was revealed to me by Jesus Christ, and I was commissioned to preach it by Jesus Christ. That's incredible. That's abnormal. Paul admits that. He he, he mentions that. He says that in 1 Corinthians 15, 8-9. Last of all. As to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. So Paul isn't claiming special honors, just legitimacy. He is an apostle. And he received his gospel directly from Jesus Christ, just like the others. This happened in Arabia, after which time he returned to Damascus, whereupon the Jews hatched a plot to destroy him. But his disciples helped him to escape from the city. He continues the story in verse 18. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am saying to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Again, if you have your two Bibles open, you can insert this story into Acts 9, 26-30. Paul was in Jerusalem for 15 days. But he was already an apostle by this time. He had already been preaching the gospel for three years. He visited Peter, here called Cephas, and James, the brother of the Lord. Then he went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. That is, he went back to Tarsus by way of Caesarea, exactly as it says in Acts 9.30. There, he preached the gospel for about 10 years. As for the church in Judea, Paul says that he wasn't well known to them. They only heard reports about the man who used to persecute them and how he had been converted and was now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Thanks be to God. And thank you for listening to Into the Word. If you're interested in additional resources, you can find those over at the website at www.intotheword.ca. You can also find a variety of resources at ca.thegospelcoalition.org. And you can check us out on Facebook, and I hope that you do. We have a growing community of Bible readers over there, and we post daily encouragements and conversation starters. It'd be great to see you there. And I hope to see you again tomorrow right here for another episode of Into the Word.